0: Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I am Sarah McDooling. My colleague, Shanu Prasad, and I are both super excited to be talking today to Jenna Guillaume, author of You Were Made For Me, um, What I Like About Me. Uh, Jenna, welcome. Hello. Um, Could you tell the people who are listening, just outline a little bit about uh, your latest book, You Were Made For Me?
1: Yes, You Are Made For Me is a YA rom-com that is my own modern take on weird science. So it's about two girls called Katie and Libby who accidentally create the perfect boy. And, of course, uh, perfect is a tough concept um, and he doesn't actually um, – things are more complicated than – than they thought they would be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun and, um, you know, it explores ideas of romance and friendship and perfectionism, creativity, um, all that kind of stuff. But I had a lot of fun writing it.
0: It was super fun to read. <laughs> I, like, really enjoyed this one. And I was, I remember talking to you previously about how, When you read the blurb of this book, the only thing you can think of is like, what? How do they make a boy? Like, you get really caught up in the how of it. And then when you read it, you realize that means nothing at all. Like, that's just (laughs) how it happens is not important. It just happens.
1: It doesn't matter. Don't question it. Just go with it, please. Yeah,
0: you really just (laughs) got to roll with it the way that you would, you know, with the way that you do in the concept of the science movie. You're just like, this is our premise, yeah. don't go into it too much, just enjoy the ride. <laughs> and um, and you pulled that off so brilliantly. Uh, was it challenging to kind of start off with a premise that's a, that's a bit mind-boggling and, like, ride it in a way where readers will just go along for the ride?
1: It definitely was a challenge because um, it is a very, I guess it's kind of a high-concept bizarre thing and so (laughs) but I still wanted it to feel very grounded in reality and essentially a contemporary story but with this um, slight magical element and you know I mean I was inspired by a lot of rom-coms that have that kind of fantasy element but are still very real say like Suddenly 30 or of course Weird Science itself which is not so much a rom-com but um, stuff like Big where it's like you just kind of like accept that this is a weird thing that's happened and then you just want to go along with the story Um, so I definitely that was what I was aiming for and it was a challenge during the writing to um, figure out just how far to push it and um, also how much the characters in the story should be reacting you know (laughs) It's a, it's a fine balance between this is a very bizarre situation, but also it's very boring to just read about people talking about how bizarre it is. <laughs> so, like, um, you know, if, trying to find the right balance of having them not seem too blasé about it, but also not so affected that they're not getting on with their lives and that the story is not progressing. Yeah, that would have been a hard balance to find, I imagine. But you, you totally do it
0: in the reading of the book. Oh, thank you. That's like <laughs> people, yeah, people seem appropriately, like, aware of the fact that this is strange. But they react much in the way, you know, there should be a word for this. I don't know if it's really magical realism or if it's, like, it's kind of like rom-com reality.
1: Yeah, yeah, reality. I like that.
2: That's that yeah, works. I, I, I <laughs> definitely think we should go with that because I was just <laughs> it just reminded me that last night I was watching. Uh, oh, I got home uh, halfway through. Uh, there was that movie, um, just like just like heaven. I think with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Reese. Oh, Fitzgerald. that's a
0: great one. I haven't exactly, seen that
2: either. Right? It's it's exactly the same kind of thing. There's something weird that happens, and you know you try and kind of have a little bit of an explanation for it. And then you just go, okay, cool, that's the thing. And then here's the story, and it's about the relationships and what you learn. And I think that's the same thing that comes across um, in the book. But also, I was curious about whether um, you had decided to do the format that you'd done with, like, kind of making it a more of like a um, what is it called, like a record of what had happened with the two um, with the two oh, voices. Oh, yeah. If that was if that was like there from the beginning, or if you kind of brought that in a bit later. Um, like into the story process uh, to try and kind of help with that, kind of
1: getting that tension right. It was right there from the beginning. And I can't say, I was was actually trying to think about this because I don't think I consciously thought, okay, it's going to be, you know, two voices. I think I just started writing and that's what came out. Excuse me. Um, I remember I started with the very first line, which is the day I created a boy started out like any other. And that was where – that kind of just entered my head and that's where the idea of the story came from. And I just – as soon as I entered my head, I had like a whole flash of scenes come up that um, unfolded, which is essentially the first um, third of the book, I would say, or probably a bit less – at least right up until um, she kind of discovers Guy in her bedroom late at night. Um, <laughs> and so I just I, – as soon as that I um, – line entered my head I got really excited and I sat down to start writing straight away and pretty much what is in the book is what I wrote and so I started writing and as soon as I started writing from this one perspective which is Katie's this other voice was in my head which turned out to be Libby's and kind of this you know um, end up being like kind of banter between two friends and Katie's trying to tell the story but Libby's got her own opinions about it so she interjects every so, every so often and it was a lot of fun actually and I think that's what really aside from the story itself that's what really made me excited to write it because I really loved the interactions between Katie and Libby and I had a lot of fun with it yeah that they were so fun
2: um, yeah that was definitely some of my favorite bits just the hilarious bit where she's, particularly where she wants to talk about all the kisses. <laughs> and then Libby's like, oh God, come on, come we're gonna be here. For, can we just get to like a dot point? Can we like make it a little bit faster? Like, I don't wanna hear about all of this. Again, it was bad enough to live through. I was like, oh, that's
0: brilliant. So, and that's so true, true, right? Good <laughs> friend dynamic and just having their dialogue back and forth. It had that feeling of like, okay, pause the story. And then they just have a little like discussion. Um, I really, yeah, I really loved that part of it.
1: I'm glad it was, yeah, that was, like, probably my favourite parts to write. As much as, like, I like the kissing scenes and the romance, I actually think um, the friendship in this book is what really I enjoyed the most. Well, speaking of the romance,
0: um, should we sit I don't know if I should signal some spoilers here, but, Ooh. yeah, I, I'm going to keep things vague and I okay. won't name names, but I will say that, um, well, I'll mention the main character's name, but like, <laughs> I Sadie has, is sort of, uh, has got multiple love interests. She That's does. What, we're, we're allowed to say that, right? I won't go into who they are and what happens with them. But Was it difficult kind of, because it's not a very long book and you've got to keep this thing moving quickly and, um and keep it light and fun, but you also managed to give her sort of three romantic entanglements and <laughs> and have her learn something from each one.
1: I don't <laughs> get her, like, she went from having zero to three. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is like, you know, I, I definitely, that was something that I was um, thought about a lot because I think, A criticism of YA romance in particular is like, okay, these girls talk about how normal and ordinary they are and boys aren't interested in them. And then all of a sudden they have three. (laughs) Um, I wanted each one to um, have a clear reason of like why it was happening at this point in time. And I think um, Guy entering the scene changes things for Katie, but also changes things for the people around her and her dynamic with Guy makes other people I guess see her in a different light um so that's why she's (laughs) suddenly got romances multiplying um (laughs) yeah like I think I really wanted to play with the idea of um what you have in your head as an ideal and what is actually good for you and that um you know what your idea of perfect isn't necessarily um like what you th- – in reality, it's not what you think it would be. And yeah. um, and also, like, what makes a good match for you and what what are the actual meaningful things in a romance and in a love story, you know? Is it the big grand gestures? Is it the little moments where someone listens to you? Is it, um, you know, those kind of things? So that's that's what I want to explore with the three different <laughs> characters. <Yeah. laughs> well, and I think you did it really well because none of them are –
0: she learned something important from each of those interactions. And, like, and that's another thing I, I just wanted to talk about in the book is that you have, you know, this full cast of characters and people start out, you know, like a certain, uh, like, archetype, like you've got, you know, a mean girl. But um, in this book, I just, I loved how you filled her out in terms of like you gave her there's there's a moment where we're given pause to think about what's going on in her life aside from her interactions with the main character like um do you know the moment I'm talking about again I'm trying to be spoiler (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I thought that was a really nice touch because you don't often in this kind of storytelling. I think it's really important to have those archetypes because they're there for a reason and um that we don't always think about them beyond the service that they're giving to this story. Like you we know, don't often think about why a mean girl is mean. And um, I don't know, I just really liked that.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was hard because um, I think, you know, some, I mean, sometimes mean girls are just mean. Um, <laughs> and that's just, you know, that they might not have any rhyme or reason. But I think, you know, like everyone has their own things going on. And so I wanted to like give a little bit of, insight to that character without excusing her actions because she she does quite reprehensible things and yeah that was really important oh, yeah. that it's not like suddenly she's redeemed or that you know it excuses all of her behavior because it doesn't but it's just um especially i guess it's a moment for Katie as well to realize that she doesn't know everything about this girl she's only seeing the surface of her as well yeah i just thought it added you know, it was a
0: it's just a small touch, but it went a long way to like just adding dimensions to these characters. And that allows you to enjoy the story more. Oh, thank you. I'm glad.
2: <laughs> yeah I, I also really loved the
0: family scenes I think that that's
2: something that you do so well and um it's something I really love from your first book as well in that you know a lot of um teen uh things or things for YA or even you know for younger readers all of a sudden there's no parents <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> You're like on your own all the time with doing whatever you like and so um I think this is really great because it just shows really how you can have a family that um you know all different kinds of families but the families uh, even if they're a little bit absent like in um you know Theo's family they're still there and um not just and not just um you know parents but siblings aunts uncles like all sorts of different yeah. family members um and and so that was one of the funniest oh my goodness I was just cringing as I was reading it um the family scene where um <laughs> Guy gets to meet <laughs> meet Katie's family um <laughs> well, I don't get to choose the right word. Maybe um, it's forced to meet the, the whole family, and how embarrassing that was. And I can just imagine um, a lot of people reading that just going, "Oh my goodness, that is so just like what happens in my family." <laughs> and uh, so I was, has that was that um, was that something you just kind of made up, or have you ha- yourself had some um, embarrassing experiences? <laughs>
1: it's hundred <laughs> percent by real events (laughs) I will say like obviously it's a work of fiction but you know all writers draw from their own lives and this is definitely um drawn from my life I think um I you know my husband actually I started dating him in high school um so we were 15 when we got together oh he we both of us have Maltese family actually and his family um same as Katie and his family used to have these raviol nights every, every um, couple of months, which is what Katie's family does. They have, they make, come together to make raviol, which is essentially ravioli, which everyone's more familiar with. And it's just really big version of it. um, okay. <laughs> and, um and so, you know, the, the whole family gathers to make it and to um, just get – it's their way to get together. And so, um, yeah, that's what Katie's family does. And her parents force her to invite her new boyfriend, which is Guy, which is this perfect guy that she's invented. And it's a very awkward situation for her. Um, I don't want to, like, give everything away, but obviously right. some very inappropriate questions are asked. <laughs> Um, but, yes, I was dating my husband when I was 15 and going along to these family nights um, with him, and we got asked those questions. <laughs>
2: oh, my goodness. Well, when people read this, they're going to be like, oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was such a good theme.
1: So, actually, uh, like, stayed with me for a very long time. I was quite traumatised. So, I'm, uh, you know, glad to be able to use that in the book, actually. <laughs>
0: Um so the character of guy I imagine would have been quite fun to write right like we've we've seen um I think a female version of this character more often than we've seen a male character like the sort of just just came into this world born yesterday beautiful creature
1: <laughs> Yes definitely I think um like it's it quite a common trope with women um I think there is some instances with men and I definitely Was kind of inspired by them. For instance, I think um, like everything that Brendan Fraser has ever done. Like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Like, George of the Jungle, um, Encino Man. Encino Man. Yes. Yeah. Last from the past. Last from the past. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of made a career out of it. It's like this really beautiful man that just emerges from somewhere and has no idea about the world you know, is, is intelligent but has no idea about the world around them and
0: so um, innocent.
1: Yeah, so innocent and there's something so pure about it and um like golden like they're just um it reminds me a bit of the of the in the Rocky horror picture show as well speaking yeah, of golden I that the oh, man, yeah.
2: that's that <laughs> yeah. character that's completely like golden wearing small small shorts.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly I think there's something really appealing about it because it's like you know it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful boy who doesn't have all the toxic kind of expectations of masculinity or like the way he's been raised um to that has affected him in that way like it's they're completely removed from the patriarchy almost like yeah <laughs> um, and so it's it's a kind of really wholesome and comforting archetype i think to play with
0: was it um Because of the element in this book of suspending disbelief a bit and having fun with a kind of magical, quasi-science-fictiony type of theme, um, was it scary or daunting to go, because that's quite different from your debut? Um, Yes. So when you realised, oh, this is the book I want to write, were were you worried about sort of switching sub-genres?
1: I was, I was, I was worried because I thought it's, it's very weird. It's a very weird concept. Um, and I was worried that my publisher wouldn't be interested and that readers wouldn't be interested. Um, but at the end of the day, it was what was exciting me. I actually, cause initially um, you know, I had a two-book deal, so I knew that I had another book to write, and the one I started writing originally was actually a, a companion novel to What I Like About Me, and oh. <laughs> it was told from the perspective of Anna, who is Maisie, oh. the main character's best friend. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> amazing news. <laughs> <laughs> and so she – it was about – it took, took place after What I Like About Me, and um, it was about Anna's kind of um, – year like things that were happening in her life. Um and I really was interested in that because I thought um with Anna she was quite she she was she wasn't a good friend to Maisie, but I don't think she's a bad person. And I wanted yeah. to explore um her story and um and her own ambitions and goals because I think she's quite insecure herself and I wanted to get her to a place where she was um, had learned a few things. But – and I wrote – I think I I did write a fair chunk of it. Um, Well, not a fair chunk. I would say, like, maybe, like, a quarter – of the first quarter of it. Um, And it was going okay, but what I found really challenging was Maisie – what I like about me and Maisie was still very fresh in my head, and um, I love Maisie so much as a character and I connect with her so much that it was very hard for her to be a background character (laughs) – um yeah. she kind of what she wanted to take over the story and it wasn't her, like her story it wasn't her story and so I was kind of struggling with that and struggling with finding Anna's voice um and so I talked to my agent Danielle Binks about it and I was saying look you know this is where I'm at but I'm I'm I'm, I'm struggling with the voice and um she suggested that I just put it aside and just um, start something new just to kind of get something that get that out of my system. Mm-hmm. And I bet so I did that. I put it aside and literally the next day is when I kind of that, that first line from were made for me entered my head and I got the idea and I was really excited to write it. And so that excitement and also that voice was so distinct immediately with that was what I had been struggling with and the voice of Katie and the, the and Libby as a secondary voice was so distinct straight away that that was what I was like okay this is what I should be writing and so even though I was worried about the it being quite different I just followed followed the the plot bunny and the rabbit went down the rabbit hole <laughs> um, and and thankfully um you know everyone that what that I told the idea to and that read what I had initially written was interested and so um and encouraged me to keep going so that was good and and hopefully you know I, I am a bit worried because I went through stages where I was like oh is this too different to the first book but I didn't want it to be too similar either so um that was definitely like it's challenged but I think that's probably the case for anybody who's releasing a second book because unlike with your first one you suddenly have a set of expectations and there's always going to be people who probably prefer the first one but you know maybe there'll be people who like this one better so I mean, hopefully, hopefully there is. Hopefully, there's people that like both. Um, but yeah, um, look, it was, it was, it was definitely a challenge, but it was a fun one.
0: I'm so glad you did it. I just, I admire it because you don't see it often. Like you said, the second book often has a lot of expectations uh, attached to it, and I think most authors feel like they have to recreate a new version of the debut. Yeah, um, I do. Definitely- yeah, well, and what you've done is that it's it's different but it is totally all the things that you love about what, what I like about me are in this book. Yeah. So it's like a, a different spin on the same style and, like, everyone, like, your fans from the first book are going to love this and maybe people who wouldn't have picked up um, what I like about me because they prefer reading you know stuff that's not just straight YA contemporary realistic might be more drawn to this book and then discover what I like about me that way and vice versa
1: oh thank you hopefully um I definitely like it's definitely still very much like a YA rom-com so it's in the like same kind of genre that way and um still exploring the, the themes of like romance and friendship and um identity and You know, there is still that element of body positivity in there as well. I think, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think like it's still all of my passions, but it's just in a different form.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I I really love that, particularly as well about you know about Theo and his character. That he's the way the way that he's presented. He's not presented as um, you know as often we see like the other person, uh, or or an alternative person who is still. Extremely attractive and still, you know, conventionally attractive and conventionally all these things. But it's like he—he is—he is just amazing because of who he is, as opposed to just you know what you know. Someone who doesn't know know them would look at you know look at them and and see. Um, and I think that that's that's a really positive thing because even in a lot of um, you know a lot of YA, you know, it's the girl who's thinking of herself as not very attractive, but then the person that she ends up with is still like the hottest guy in school. Um, <laughs> And, like, and that doesn't really help anyone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this story really plays around with all of those ideas um, from both genders as well. Like, um, uh, I I love that, you know, you have, I'm going to leave names out of it so so that we'll not, again, be spoilery. Sorry, (laughs) I'm so terrible at giving away details that I keep, like, policing what I'm about to say. Hopefully this is all right. Um, you have, like, a character who wouldn't maybe get the girl um, in the movie version of this, not that we've seen that often, <laughs> um, Who, who is such a great character and sort of, like, comes out on top and then you have the one that you, the, the perfect one and he gets a story that you might not. I'm being spoilery, am I? (laughs) Spoilery. (laughs) Things don't happen the way you might expect. I'll leave it at that.
1: (laughs) I hope so. I think um, I definitely wanted to explore. I mean, with what I like about me, I explored body image and body positivity from a female perspective. And as I was writing, "You Were Made for Me," um, I and exploring, especially the notion that Katie has created this perfect guy who is like like conventionally perfect right he's got the very like muscular body He like looks like a long-lost Hemsworth brother <laughs> and like that you know that's that's great and attractive and um you know definitely worth swooning over but I also wanted to create char- a character um a, a boy who was maybe not the the ideal ideal of perfect but who was interesting and and attractive in his own way um and you know and also like I wanted like a a hot fat boy (laughs) like I wanted like (laughs) because I think you know that was what I really wanted to play with with what with what I like about me was like Maisie um discovering that she was beautiful she didn't and she didn't have to change her body and I wanted I wanted that for a boy in in you were made for me. I wanted um I wanted a, like an attractive lead boy who was fat. Um, oh, and you did it so well! He, like he's my favorite character. Oh, thank you. Cool.
0: Thank you. I love him as well. <laughs> ah, <Yeah. laughs> oh, um. So, are we allowed to ask? Uh, obviously you can not reveal details, but like, what's what's up next for you?
1: What's next for me? So I um, I have an idea and that I've started kind of daydreaming about. I've done a little bit of writing, but um, I'm not very far in the process. So, yeah, I don't want to say too much just in case, like, it totally changes. Like, obviously, yeah. like <laughs> I mentioned earlier, like I was writing something totally different before you were made for me. Um, but yeah. this one is um, It is my take on a classic um Ooh, that's yeah. our favorite
0: thing. You know, I, I love team takes on classic. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: so, so and I, I always say what the classic is, but it does it explores uh it's romance, friendship, and fandom.
0: Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I love the sound of this. I Me too. Go. Also <laughs> I have to ask, do you think that you're
2: going you might at some time go back to Trying to tell the story. Yes,
0: that was my next question. Is that abandoned <laughs> or just temporarily on hold? The um.
1: I mean, it's still there. I didn't delete it. It's yeah. It's still sitting there in the bottom of my metaphorical drawer. So, um, I definitely would never say never. I think it would depend on, um, I guess, audience interest and, um, and then whether I think I think with more distance, I could probably get into Anna's headspace more. Yeah, because, a bit more. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Stephanie Meyer took how many years to <laughs> write, release <laughs> the uh,
2: Edward's yeah. version of the story. So you know, you've got time; you've got plenty That's of time.
1: True. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I would never say never, um, but and also, but also, there's elements of that story that I really like. Um, so, who knows? Maybe they might show up somewhere else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, I definitely, I, I mean, I think that, like, all writing is. I think writing is never wasted um and even if you kind of abandon manuscripts that writing will still have helped you in some way so I think um I definitely yeah but you know who knows we'll we'll see I would never say never
0: (laughs) I I hope so because I'd like to read it but you also just teased the thing you're working on very well so I'm going to be happy no matter what you come out with next
2: okay thank you (laughs) Uh, absolutely the same um there's one last thing I wanted to ask about just uh you know you're talking about you know drawing from real life and so on but um the other thing we didn't really talk about the the other strain of the the book or the subject of the book that I think is really strong in this is about um Katie and her um you know her um writing and her art and sort of how she kind of explores explores the um the sort of different ways that you can be doing that like kind of now you know she talks about whether you know she's too scared to put things on Instagram but you know she kind of wants to but then things backfire which kind of does but getting like this you know it, it's like you know was was writing about um someone who wasn't confident about their own writing was that kind of how you felt or are you are you someone that was more you know more confident and you know this this writing this book was something that you knew like in your mind you had a goal and you knew that that was that was going to be that was going to happen and you were going to be an author
1: um no I'm not confident at all I um <laughs> no it definitely like that's definitely drawn from my own experience and especially perfectionism um being kind of my own worst enemy uh which is what like Katie just wants her art and her what she creates to be perfect but the other thing is like nothing you create is ever going to be perfect mm-hmm. or ever going to live up to what um you have in your head um so that's definitely drawn from my own personal feelings and experience, and something that I really want to explore. Because especially with what I like about me, like um, you know, that took me a few years to write, and that was uh, what delayed it was that um, I was so hung up on the idea that I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be good enough, and that I couldn't do it, and um, and that like no one was ever going to want to read it, and it was going to be terrible. And Aww. I mean, I, still, <laughs> I know I still have moments like that, you know, where I'm like. Oh, like, I'm never going to be as good as this writer or, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I think a lot of creative people have that voice in in their heads and you just kind of have to push past it and just be, you know, accept that, um, you know, it's not going to be perfect but it's going to exist and it's going to be yours and that's the important thing.
0: And maybe like Katie discovered what you think is perfect in your head wouldn't even be what you want anyway.
1: Absolutely. Um <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's it's um, you know, that that's the joy of life, isn't it? Is the the unexpected and the things that you don't plan for are often the most wonderful.
0: Oh, what a beautiful sentiment. And that I oh, feel like a yeah. <laughs> I <forget it> <laughs> yes, um Jenna, th- I want to thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. We both really enjoyed reading this new book and your, and your first book. My um, pleasure. It's been so good to talk to you. Yeah, and uh, podcast listeners, you can get what I like about me and um, Jenna's new book, You Were Made For Me, right now on Book three